Um, Father, um, early this morning as the the rain was pouring down, um, I was reminded of those words uh, in Isaiah the prophet uh, that tell us that as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without doing what they were sent to do, so is your word that goes forth from your mouth. Um, Father, as we listen to your word this morning, we pray that it would do what it was sent to do, which is to bear good fruit in our lives and make a difference to the people we are and the way that we live and the way that we love and make a difference to the people around us and to our neighbourhoods and communities and workplaces. Um, Father, would you come and speak to us by your word and by your spirit and make our lives fruitful? Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's, as we've done uh, most weeks, begin with a little video, uh, again from the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, uh, just to again bring us into our theme of fruitfulness on the front line. So let's play the video. Father, help me do good today. I want to shape this place to your design. Help me see the value my work has to you. May I model your kindness and patience. So that you are recognised. May they know Jesus through my presence. May they see your light as I share mine. Give me your joy and self-control. So that your warmth touches those I meet. Help me to be generous. Quick to put others first. Sharing clearly your love and grace. Give me words to speak about you. And courage to stand for justice and truth. Whatever the day brings. In my humanity. Weakness. Breakthrough. Let my life overflow with you. So I hope you're enjoying um, thinking about your front line and maybe talking about it with others uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're going to give you, I forgot to put them on the seats this week, but we're going to give you a, a giveaway as usual uh, this week. So uh, what, you can come and get these at the end. But what you're getting this week is a little postcard, uh, just as three words on it that say presence, pressure and purpose. And there's a little bit on the back where you, that you can fill in for yourself just to reflect on how do you experience God's presence on your front line? What is a pressure point for you? And what might be God's purpose for you there right now? Um, So you can decide what you want to do with that. You can take it into your work um, and put it somewhere, or you can carry it with you in your handbag or your Bible or uh, whatever. Uh, Maybe that might be a good conversation starter when you're talking to each other uh, to talk about those those things uh, together. But you can come and get one of those um, at the end. Um, Some of you have been sharing photographs of your front line uh, with me. So do, do keep sending those to me. I, I, I really enjoy getting a wee glimpse of uh, everybody. Is my clicker going to fail me, Colin? Might have to get you to help me. So that's not anybody from the fellowship. So moving along. So that is 
Dorothy and Christine. Uh, that's you, Christine, on, on their front line, which is in Oasis Causeway. Um, and another one, the, the next one is uh, Trevor and some others there as well. So uh, we, we may, if you keep listening, hear a little bit more about Oasis uh, in one of the future weeks. Uh, so that's a little glimpse of them on their front line. Um, and then a lovely one of uh, two of our teachers from Heslet Primary School uh, over near, near Castle Rock. Bonus points for having their little coaster with them <laughs> and, uh, and holding it up. So that's Carolyn and Ruth. Uh, so thank you for that. Now, can anybody tell me whose front line this one is? <coughs> Firearms prohibited in this area. I don't know if they're allowed to take photos of this, by the way. But uh, <laughs> any guesses whose front line this might be? What was that? No, it's Liz. Is Liz here this morning? She's not here. We'll embarrass her in her absence. Uh, so we'll put up the next shot. You'll see Liz in full uniform, uh, helping take prisoners to and from court and uh, prison and so on. You were wondering who in MCF's in prison there for a second, um, which could also be a front line. Um, so, yeah, do keep sending those in. Uh, it's lovely just getting a wee glimpse of where everybody is um, during the week. So um, maybe just put up the next slide. Um, each week uh, during the series, we're doing a little interview with somebody just to find out uh, about their front line. We're trying to reflect the variety of people and ages uh, and stages of life uh, in the fellowship. So Sophia Rogers is going to come uh, chat to me this morning. And as she comes up, will we take a second and embarrass her by congratulating her on her engagement? Um, so. so congratulations. Um, we'll not say any more about that. Um, so the same sort of very simple questions that we've been asking uh, each week. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about where you'll be this time tomorrow or on a typical day. Um, um, on a typical day, I'm in Belfast at Queen's doing my master's in psychology, which is like <coughs> studying the human and the brain and stuff like that. All right. So tell us some of the things, uh, if anything, uh, that you enjoy about that front line. Um, I enjoy that it's kind of interesting. Um, I originally did illustrations, so I enjoy that it's challenging me and it's completely different from what I usually do. And to be honest, that's like pretty much it. That's it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so what about, are there any pressure points for you on that front line? Um, not like massive pressure points it's a master so the pressure point is like I have to finish it and I have to pass um, and I would like to do well in it and I guess the pressure point is now trying to find out and figure out how this master's is going to like seep and benefit into my future career Okay. maybe that connects with our next question which is um, what purpose do you think God might have for you in terms of your current front line? Um, this was the one I found really hard because honestly there was no obvious purposes that came to mind when I thought about doing this Masters. Like I'm a little bit over it, it's really hard and it's a bit, it's becoming a bit of a drag. So I think one of my big purposes is just learning to still show up every day, like show up, put the effort in, go up, go home, do the same thing the next day. Um, and also yeah, I think that's kind of it. I think I'm being really pushed. My brain's being stretched. I'm figuring out areas about myself that I 
and things I do not ever want to go back into in the future, like things I don't want to explore anymore, and I'm being pushed into areas I do want to continue to explore, so, yeah. Well, finally, can we ask, um, how could we pray for you um, at the minute? Um, I guess the big one is this student life has to come to an end very, very soon, and I need to figure out what I'm going to do next, so that's the big one. I need some doors to open and some doors to close, and, yeah, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Can I pray for you now? Of course. Let's let's pray for Sophia. Um, uh, Father, thank you so much for Sophia. Thank you for her faith in you. Thank you for her personality and her gifts and all that she adds to our church life um, and just the blessing of knowing her. Um, Father, we want to pray for her uh, at this moment in her life when she's being stretched and she's learning new things and she's wondering about the future. Um, We want to pray, would you make the way clear for her? Uh, Would you show her the path that you want her to walk? Um, We believe that you want to use Sophia to be a really powerful blessing in our world. Um, But Father, would you show her where you want her to do that? Um, We pray your peace as she searches those questions about the future. Uh, We pray for lots of joy for her and Matthew as they get ready for their wedding uh, later in the year. And just pray your blessing on Sophia and pray you'd encourage her even today as she's been sharing with us. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, you, Sophia. Brilliant. Who will it be next? Nobody knows. I've forgotten. Um, We'll find out next week. Um, Just to remind you, we said before coffee, uh, we have two maps up on the, the wall. We'd love you to put a red pen in wherever your front line is. I've had complaints that not everybody's front line makes it onto the maps. If you're not on the map, stick the pin on the road that leads to your front line. So Ballycastle's not on the map, but you can stick a, stick a pin uh, on the road. Uh, but we'd love to just build up a picture of where we are as a church uh, when we're scattered during the week. Um, so that is that. I better get to the sermon. What are we going to talk about? Um, we, over the next number of weeks, we're exploring six different ways... Uh, that we can be fruitful on our front line. Hopefully you got, you got the little credit card-sized card last week that lists the six ways. If you didn't get one, I think there's some extra out in reception. Um, but this week we're going to be thinking about um, this, which is modelling good, good character. Uh, one, of the ways, one of the ways we can be fruitful is to model good character. And I guess we could say it this way, that before we talk about any specific things that we might do on our front line or say on our front line, we want to talk about who we're going to be on our front line, which is what character is. Not, not in the first instance about what we do or say, but about who we are. Um, I'm going to read just a quotation that I've, I've used before, but that I come back to again and again from uh, the writer Madeleine Lengel. Um, and she said this, she said, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. And that little phrase, a light so lovely, um, I guess is what I'd love you to really remember from this morning. That's what we're talking about, I think, when we talk about good character and godly character. Um, and I want to encourage you, even, even now, Just think for a second about people in your life 
who have really inspired you and influenced you and impacted you, right? And bring, bring them to mind. And it may help during this talk. So we think about good character. Who are the people who come to mind for you? Um, and I wonder, would you agree with me that when you bring those people to mind, you may, you may think about some amazing things they did or said, but I, I wonder if you would agree with me that very often what comes to mind is just the way that they are the way that they move through the world. They embody something, right? They, they carry something that's almost hard to put into words, but that impacts everybody around them. And I, for me, that phrase, a light so lovely, expresses it as well as anything I've ever heard. They carry a light that is the light of Christ uh, in their life and that draws people uh, to them. Um, what, what are we talking about when we talk about character? Uh, one very common definition. I'm going to play with a few definitions. There's no one set definition of character. Uh, one very common uh, definition is this, the character is who you are when no one is looking. I, I think that's a very challenging, uh, thought-provoking, helpful definition. There's a lot that I like about that. Um, it's not about the public image that we project to impress other people, but it's about who we are uh, in our core being, in, our, in the secret place, in the hidden place, uh, when we've no one to impress or no one to check up on us. Um, it's who we are. That kind of integrity um, is part of what we're talking about. But I guess when we're thinking about our front line, uh, that, that, that definition maybe gets at some aspects of character, but maybe not all of them. Um, maybe, maybe one problem with that definition is uh, sometimes... I find it relatively easy to model good character when I'm by myself. Sometimes I sit by myself and feel very full of good character <laughs> and, you know, mature and spiritual and all the rest. But the trouble comes when I bump up against other people and suddenly there are things that can spill out of me that are not as pretty as, as what I was... Uh, so impressed by a moment before. Uh, maybe one possible other definition of character would be character is what spills out of you when you're bumped. Because whatever you are full of will spill out when you collide with other people in the, the things of every day. Um, but I want to give you a third definition. This is kind of stolen from Mark Green in his book uh, or kind of paraphrased from him. And I find this really, really thought-provoking. He says, character is how those close to you expect you to behave. Right, now, what, is, what does he mean by that? Um, I guess he means this, that the people who have shared life with us up close in our home or our workplace or in our friendship groups or wherever it is, they come to know us well enough that they come to have a pretty accurate expectation of how we will respond in any given situation. Right? They come to kind of be able to guess. In this situation, he's going to get annoyed and fly off the handle. She's going to get defensive and blame other people. Or they, they come to know he can be trusted with something sensitive because he won't share it with other people. Or, or the opposite. Um, they, they come to know I can trust them with some, something I'm struggling with because they'll be gentle with me. Or the opposite. He'll be harsh or, or critical or whatever, whatever else. Um, in other words, the people who are closest to us, they come to know how we will usually behave, how we habitually and characteristically 
respond. And how we characteristically respond is our character. Um, And it starts within, in the secret place, in the hidden place, but it always flows outward and becomes visible. It has a private dimension, but it also has a public dimension in our public lives. Um, And so let me ask you the really uncomfortable question. Um, How do the people on your front line expect you to behave? As they've shared life with you, what kind of expectations have they formed of how you are likely to respond to the different things of life? Um, That's meant to make you squirm a little bit. Um, We want to talk this morning about good character, about godly character. Um, And there's probably a bunch of places we could go in the Bible uh, to think about that. Um, I don't know where you would go to get a, a picture or a definition of good character, but really... This morning, I want to focus on one verse, or two verses, actually, uh, from Galatians 5. Um, For me, it's the the best place to go, or or one of the most helpful places, anyway, to go. Uh, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit. And then, for me, he gives a a nine-word definition of good character. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? There, that, that's not an exhaustive list. There's other things you could, you could add in as well. Um, but it's a pretty good, good place to start, isn't it? Um, that's what good character looks like. That's what spills out of a person of godly character when they get bumped. Um, that is how they characteristically live in the world so that those around them come to reliably expect that from them as they live, right? And if there's one big thing... I want to make sure we all hear this morning is that you can be that kind of person, right? Uh, I, want to, I might have to repeat that a few times because lots of us don't believe it. Um, you can be that kind of person who reliably, characteristically responds in that way, okay? Um, if you wanted a, a one-word definition, if nine words is too many, uh, my one-word definition is uh, probably what you expect. It's Jesus, Right, He is the one who embodies all of those qualities and shows us what they look like in practice because having a list of words is one thing, but sometimes we need, we need to see it lived out. Um, we can depend on Jesus to be like this all the time. He is characteristically, reliably like this uh, all the time. And so take, take a little moment. I know I'm stretching your imaginations here, but... Think about your front line again. Bring it to mind. Um, Imagine if you could reliably live like this on your front line so that people come to expect these things from you. Um, And and just imagine for a second, what kind of impact would that have on your front line if you embodied those things in your life? Um, What kind of impact would it have on your front line if you lived characteristically like this. Um, And I want to say it again for repetition. You can be that kind of person on your front line. Um, I wonder how you feel even when I say that. Um, I'm not necessarily uh, suggesting this is a good idea to to come at it this way, but just as a little, uh, I guess, thought experiment. Um, I wonder if I asked you to give yourself a score out of 10 for each of those qualities. You can do this later if you want. Um, I wonder what kind of score you would give yourself. (laughs) 
for mark out of 10 for patience, um, mark out of 10 for faithfulness, for gentleness. I wonder how you would score yourself. Um, maybe whenever you start thinking about that, um, we, we come up against a little bit of a problem, which is we're, not, we're often not very good at knowing ourselves and seeing ourselves truly. Um, and so sometimes that kind of introspection doesn't lead anywhere helpful. Um, if I can say this, some of you are much too hard on yourselves, right? So some of you immediately thought, I'm two out of ten across the board. I'm rubbish at all of these. But the truth is, if I spoke to the people who are around you in your life, lots of them would say, I see the joy of Christ in this person's life. I see gentleness. I see goodness. And sometimes we can't see it in ourselves, but we need those around us to affirm those things, right? So some of you are too hard on yourselves. Can I also say say the opposite? Um, Some of you are much too easy on yourselves. And some of you were sitting going, I'm a solid eight and a half across the board. Um, But again, if I ask those who live closest to you in your house where you live or the place where you work, I wonder what they would say. Um, And so maybe one thing I want to encourage you this morning as we we reflect on character um, is can I encourage you to ask for God's help to see yourself truly? Um, Ask him to help you see yourself as you are. And that includes being encouraged by all the good ways that God is at work in your life and has been at work in your life. And there are good things that are there and you can rejoice and be glad about those. Um, It may also involve God showing you some areas where there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, God only ever shows us those things for our good, for our growth, for our blessing, uh, not to make us feel bad, right? But can I encourage you to ask for God's help to see yourself truly. And if you're feeling extra brave, um, you could ask a friend or someone close to you to help you with this. Um, And ask them to help you with both, to tell you where they see signs of the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. And also maybe to let you know if there's one or two areas where there's room for growth and to be able to receive that. You get marks for braveness if you can, bravery, if you can go there uh, this week. So, Having said all that, uh, let me make a big assumption. I'm going to assume um, even after we go through that process of honest reflection and asking God to help us and maybe asking others to help us, um, I'm going to assume that no matter where we are on our journey, we're going to all realise that we have a long way to go, right? That there's a big gap between where we are now and the full reality of the fruit of the Spirit and the character of Jesus, Um, Right, we're going we're to realise there's a gap. And so our really big practical question this morning, um, oh, there's a nice, you can see them all in uh, colour, forgot I had that image. Um, our big question is this, is how can I change my character? Right? The, the, I would say that's probably one of the most profound questions a human being can ask. Um, how does a leopard change its spots? How do I change my character? Is it possible? Um, and I want to explore for the rest of our time that question. So it's assuming that there, we haven't arrived yet at the full reality of uh, the fruit of the Spirit and the character of Jesus. Um, and before we come to maybe what I think is the biggest answer to that question, um, I want to suggest really practically, or quite practically, um, 
three things that I think need to be in place before we begin, if we're going to make any progress in thinking about this question. Um, there are three things that I think need to be in place uh, that I think God's been teaching me a lot about um, in, in recent times. Um, so I, I don't have a Bible verse to back up these three things. This is me just sharing uh, things God's been teaching me. Um, first one is desire. Uh, in other words, we have to want to change. Right? You've got to want it. Um, we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Actually, that is a Bible verse. There you go. Uh, we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We, we need to have a, a holy dissatisfaction with the way we are and a genuine longing to be more like Jesus. We've got to have an, a longing, a desire, a hunger that I don't want to stay where I am. I want to be more like Jesus. Right? And I think there are ways that we can feed that hunger, um, especially by looking at Jesus and by looking at people who look like Jesus. Uh, we can feed that hunger and say, I want to be more like that, right? And the, the longing and the hunger get stirred up. Uh, but I think desire needs to be there. Um, the second thing is a, a little bit similar, but maybe a, a little different, is there has to be intention. Um, we have to make a choice to go after this. We're not going to trip up and accidentally become like Jesus, right? Um, we, it, it needs to be not just a vague desire, but a decisive choice where we say, I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back and I'm going to run after his kingdom and I've decided to put off the old and to put on the new. I'm, I'm going after this with everything. Right? I think there has to be intention. Um, I've been listening uh, recently to a couple of old sermons by Dallas Willard, who I, I just love with all my heart. And he, he, in the middle of one of the sermons, he says, uh, he can be quite blunt, uh, Dallas Willard, um, he says one of, the, one of the questions he likes to ask people is, are you planning to go on sinning? And he says it in this big, deep baritone. Are you planning to go on sinning? Are you planning to? Is that, is that your plan for the days ahead of you? Um, and his point is, his point is we, have to, we have to actually form some fo- kind of decisive intention and choice and even make a plan for how we're going to move forward. Um, Dallas Willard also likes to say God is not going to blow your nose for you uh, which, which I really like um, he said we, we actually have a part to play in this process right? Um, I, I hope you agree with me God's desire is that every single one of us flourish and become like Jesus we also know it doesn't happen to everybody some of us go around in circles and stagnate and stay where we are is that because God doesn't want it no it's because we're not running after and taking hold of what is possible um, and so we've got to actually have an intention, uh, a decision, a choice uh, to go after it. And the third thing we need is hope. Uh, we have to actually believe that change is possible, deep and real and lasting change. Um, and this is where I think a lot of us get stuck in resignation. I'd love you to think about this this week and maybe talk about it together. Um, a lot of us get stuck in this is just the way I am. And I've always been this way and I will always be this way. Um, And we say it about all kinds of things. Like, I just have a bad temper. I've always had a bad temper. I'll always be that way. Or we say it about, I I just, I'm a bit of a gossip. And I just, it comes out of me before I think. And I'm always going to be that way. Or I'm always going to struggle with lust or pornography or whatever it is. Or I just, every time I feel bad, I go and buy things and shop and spend money on them. That's just the way I am. And there's all kinds of things where we just shrug. 
and kind of say, that's, that, that's just the, the way I'm going to be stuck. Um, and it's one of those moments where I want to be a wee bit direct and blunt and say, if that is how we are thinking, we need to repent and believe the gospel, right? Because the gospel is not just that your sins can be forgiven, but that the power of your live sins can be broken so you can walk in newness of life, right? And some of us only believe half a gospel. We believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins um, so we can be forgiven, but we don't believe he can actually set us free from the things that hold us back and hold us down and keep us mediocre and keep us stagnating and all the rest. Um, can, can I encourage you to think about that uh, this morning? Um, if you and I believe that Jesus gave sight to the blind and healed the lame and cleansed the leper and drove out demons and calmed the storm and rose from the dead, but we don't believe he can do anything about our anger problem, what, what kind of gospel are we believing? Um, you and I believe Jesus has defeated sin and death and the devil and broken their power so you can be set free from everything that holds you back, so you can walk in newness of life in the power of the resurrection, um, so you can live a life that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit and the beauty of Jesus. Um, I wonder, do you believe that? Um, some of us are stuck in kind of a loop of inevitability. We just think it's inevitable that we'll keep making the same mistakes, that we'll keep going round and round. And if the resurrection of Jesus is meant to teach us anything, it's that the power of inevitability has been broken, right? It is inevitable that a body in the ground will decay and turn to dust. And yet Jesus confounded inevitability uh, and rose, rose to life again. Um, some of us believe, um, even maybe even in a bigger picture, we're going to go on keep repeating the mistakes of our fathers and our grandfathers. You know, I got my temper from my father. I got my worrying from my mother. And we, we believe that it's inevitable that we're just going to pass those things on. Um, and I guess I want to encourage you this morning, if the gospel means anything, it means that the power of it inevitable gets broken. And it's possible for that line to be broken and something new to enter the story, which is the power of resurrection. Um, I wonder, do we believe this uh, this morning? Um, so three things that I think are essential if change of character is going to happen. There's got to be desire, there's got to be intention, and there's got to be hope, which is rooted in the gospel. Um, but how then does the change actually happen? Um, and I guess I want to confess, I think those three things are essential, but they're also not enough. Um, where, where does the power for transformation actually come from? Um, and the verse uh, that we read uh, at the beginning, I think, uh, points us to the, the heart of the answer. Um, how can I change my character? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and all these other things. In other words, we can't muster this up by our own willpower. It is the presence of God himself by his Spirit that brings the change. It is the power of God himself, the power that raised Jesus from the dead present in us by his Spirit that brings about the change. Um, there's another verse from Paul uh, which maybe says, a similar thing in a slightly different way, uh, which I uh, have always loved in 2 Corinthians 3. And he talks about how you and I, can be, this can be one of those kind of mind-bursting verses, but he talks about how as you and I contemplate the Lord's glory, which is a, a kind of fancy way of saying as we look at the beauty of Jesus, as we direct our attention towards the beauty of Jesus, 
we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, or as the old translations say, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So that verse really helps me maybe add a little bit to the picture of the fruit of the Spirit. As we look at Jesus, as we choose to fix our eyes on him and his character and his beauty and his glory, we get changed to become like him. And where, where does that change come from? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It comes from within. Um, maybe to put it in a, a picture way, um, if you're a tree wanting to bear fruit, so you can do your imagination again and imagine you're a tree for a second. If you're a tree and you're wanting to bear fruit, um, you don't just try really hard to be fruitful, right? What do you do if you're a tree and you want to bear fruit? You reach out your roots into the soil to pick up water, to pick up nutrients, to pick up all those good things. You reach up your leaves, direct them towards the sunlight to get all, all that energy uh, poured down on you from above. And it's something very similar where suggesting this morning how do you and I change and grow and become fruitful Um, by reaching out our roots and our leaves to receive the nourishment that God wants to give keep your eyes on Jesus keep company with him walk in step with his spirit open your heart every day every moment to receive what he wants to give you and the fruit of the spirit will start to appear in your life Um, kind of it's one of those times when I wish I had a cleverer answer than that to give you but I really believe with all my heart that's what God's word tells us. Um, and that's what those who have walked before us have found to be true. You depend on yourself, you end up just tired and burned out and frustrated and going nowhere. You depend on his energies that work within you and all kinds of things um, start to happen. So, good. Um, I want to finish with uh, something slightly different. Um, I'm going to take time. We started a wee bit late this morning, so I hope you'll allow me just a final point. Um, a final word about honesty. Uh, as I was preparing this, this message, um, I felt like this was really important to, to finish on because sometimes we can take things that are true and head off in a direction that actually causes us harm. And there's a bit of a danger, I think, with this theme of godly character. Um, and so I want to say really clearly, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about being on the way. We are in process. We are being changed, right? If I can put it this way, and personally, I am being changed from glory to glory, but I take a lot of detours into stupidity and selfishness and laziness and all kinds of stupid stuff, right? Anybody else the same? Can I hear an amen? Right? Right? So we are on the way, um, what did I want to say about that? I've lost my place. Um, why, why is that important? Sometimes we think about the idea of being, I want to be a model of godly character. And we think that means we need to be perfect all the time. When the reality is that we're a long way from perfect, right? So what happens if we think that our witness, our public witness, depends on being perfect all the time? We end up filling in the gap with pretending and fakery and hiding and excusing, right? So we're feeling kind of down on Tuesday morning, but we believe that being a good witness means we've got to be cheerful all the time. And so we just slap a big smile on our face and force our way through. Um, Or we're struggling with doubts and disappointments, but we can't possibly admit that to anyone because Christians are not meant to experience those things. And so we hide all of that out of sight. Or 
you're in your workplace and you make mistakes, you mess up, you get things wrong, and someone challenges you about that. But if my witness depends on perfection, then that's disastrous. And so I make excuses and I minimize what I did and I blame other people. Now, let me ask you an honest question. Is that the kind of beautiful fruit that brings glory to the Father? We actually end up with quite an ugly, that kind of fake perfection um, doesn't allow us to grow good fruit. Godly character, and maybe this is a little bit paradoxical, godly character includes honesty about failure and weakness and disappointment and doubt. Letting people see our human flaws and mess and letting them see how God is at work in the midst of those so that we're on the way to somewhere and we have great hope. The grace of God at work in a fallen human life is what we're trying to show people. Um, Treasure in jars of clay is how Paul uh, described it. Um, And so, to finish, 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 I want to tell you a story, and this is my last thing. Um, But I... I came across this story last week, um, and I just I find it tremendously helpful and moving. Um, I just want to share it with you to finish. Um, it's a story uh, shared by a Christian musician called Larry Bryant. I'd never heard of him. You may have. Um, I don't know. Um, but he's telling a story about something that happened a long time ago. He was playing at a youth conference uh, in Florida more than 20 years ago, and it wasn't going well. Um, he says it was towards the end of his touring career, and he was tired, and he was discouraged, and he was burned out, and he missed his wife and kids. And the crowd, as he played to this crowd of teenagers, was restless, and they weren't listening, and they weren't enjoying the music, and they weren't engaged. And especially a rowdy crowd of boys near the back who were talking and laughing their way through the whole concert. And it took the remaining wind out of his sails, whatever combination of things. He says he did something he'd never done before, which is he gave up. And he brought the song list to an end. But then, I don't know, God gave him some uh, unusual courage. And he began sharing with that teenage audience about his discouragements and doubts. And about God's silence in the midst of those. And he says the sudden sudden shift and raw honesty brought the room to silence. And even the boys at the back became quiet. And he finished with a song that he rarely sang in public called My Soul Waits in Silence. And he tearfully left the stage and he was convinced it was his worst concert failure in 20 years on the road. And he said he felt like he'd let himself down, he let the concert organisers down, he let God down. It was the worst failure of his working life. Um, To his surprise, one of the boys met him in the hall and told him how much he loved the final song and the way he ended the concert and said it had genuinely moved him. Larry says he was in such a bad place, he wasn't sure even then if the boy was being serious or still making fun of him uh, because he felt vulnerable. So he thanked him and he moved on. Right. More than 20 years later, Larry Bryant receives an email and the sender identifies himself as that young man and he apologised again for being disrespectful and he reiterated how touched he'd been by the honesty and the last song And he says, something about that moment broke through to me and I felt myself leaning in to whatever was happening. And he went and bought Larry Bryant's album and he went home and he learned the song. And he says, I used to sneak into our church late at night and play the piano, hoping if there was a God, he he would hear me and be proud. And I often played, my soul waits in silence. And in the old church, 
He says, I felt some comfort and some longing and the Lord used you and that song to get to me. Right? End of the story. God used that experience to stir up something in that young man and he ended up years later feeling called to do something similar, thinking I want to use songs and honesty and stories to somehow bless people. Um, some of you will know this. He's a man called Andrew Peterson. Yeah, I've played some of his songs here on Sunday mornings. He's one of my heroes uh, in music and in life. Uh, one of the most gifted Christian songwriters of our generation. Larry Bryant says he, he, he read that email in floods of tears. Um, but I wonder, can you hear the point and why I'm sharing it? That God can use you on your best days and he can use you on your worst days. He can use your successes. He can use your failures. He can use your gifts and your strengths. And he can use your weaknesses. Um, What matters is that you walk with him, that you make your ordinary days available to him, that you share your life with those around you with humility and honesty and faith, and then see what happens. I hope that story encourages you like it did me. Um, Let's pray as we finish. Uh, And then we'll we'll sing together uh, just to end. Um, Father, uh, I want to thank you as we finish that you are at work in our lives. Um, You're at work in the lives of each person in this room. And you're already bringing all kinds of good fruit. Um, Sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. And I pray that even this week you would encourage us by by seeing little glimpses uh, of the good that you're doing in our lives, the beauty that you're creating in our lives, making us a little bit more like Jesus. Father, we confess together that we can't do it in our own strength. Um, We want to choose to go after this. We want to intend to to seek after this with all our hearts. Um, But we can't do it by ourselves. And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and make us holy? Holy Spirit, would you come and grow this good fruit in our lives? Would you come and make us like Jesus so our family can see it, so our friends and neighbours can see it, so our colleagues can see it? So they are drawn to a light so lovely that they want to know where it comes from. Help us to share our lives honestly with those around us. We're not trying to impress anybody with how great we are. We don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for his sake. Um, Help us to live our lives openly this week and honestly. And we pray that a little bit of the beauty of Jesus would be seen in us this week. Um, We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.